urban of, relating to, characteristics of, or constituting a city. Creep. A distressing sensation like that caused by the creeping of insects over one's flesh, especially the feeling of apprehension or horror. Here are your hosts, J.B. Heyer and Caitlin O. Welcome to Urban Creeps. Mahaban, creeps. And welcome back to the mostly weekly podcast called Urban Creeps where we talk about urban legends and creepy things and such. Today's episode is brought to you by me, one of your hosts, Caitlin O, joined by my esteemed colleague, J.B. Heyer. Marhaban. 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 And we present to you today urban legends from the Arabic culture, specifically the land of Egypt. We are aware that we have three or four fans in Egypt, so we thought that it would be nice to dedicate it to them, and hopefully we do it justice. I hope so. And don't be too upset if we butcher the words. Also, that was our first and only attempt at Arabic. Yeah. So please understand that we totally meant to nail it, and feel pretty confident that we did. I'm pretty sure I did. Seeing as how this is an episode about Egypt, I have come up with a way to determine who goes first with a fun fact from Egypt. Here's our trivia question. How many pyramids are there in the Great Pyramids of Giza? Three. Is that right? Did you already know the answer? I don't know. I'm assuming it's three from the pictures in my mental image. I'm going to guess eight. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. There might be little ones. And the answer is, oh, three. Nice! Well. The Great Pyramid of Giza, also known as the Pyramid of Khufu, or the Pyramid of Chapo? Chapo? Chop? I don't know. It's the oldest and largest of the three. It's a complex. Well, shit. <laughs> well, it is complicated. Well, good job. Thank you. Thank I you appreciate that. You've earned the right to decide who goes first. Well, and at that, since I'm in a great mood and it is Thanksgiving, I will go first. What are you thankful for? I am thankful for the future hmm. and artificial intelligence. Oh. Also, our fans. Yes. Thank you, guys. We have a few. We do. We didn't receive any $20 bills. But, but we're we'll, still waiting. We'll let it slide. The mail might be slow because it's a holiday. Well, we know the mail doesn't stop. Yeah. Well, it does on government holidays. True. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, what about what about you? What are you thankful for? Um, Mashed potatoes and mm. turkey and stuff. Oh. And people, and, like, the people that I like. Right, sure. And Celine Dion. Okay. Mm. Well, all those are great things. (laughs) Yeah, so, to the legend, then. My legend is one that I actually learned about through watching horror movies, American horror movies, anyways. It was a character I was very interested in, but wasn't really sure if there was relevance or really what culture it was associated to. So through my research, I found that it does hail from Arabic-speaking countries, and I found quite a few references to Egypt, so I do hope that there is accuracy in my story. Me too. With that being said, I would like to quote one of the most terrifying characters in movie history. You ain't ever had a friend like me. You get it? Yeah, but he's friendly. He's still a genie. <laughs> I call my legend... 
the gin. With a D. The Djinn. Like Djibouti? No. A young man was visiting his family in a village outside of Canaan. It was nighttime, and the stars were high above, and the heat was intense. The young man was trying to sleep, but it was the summer, and the temperature could easily reach 120 degrees. The sound of barking dogs emanated from outside his family's house. He could hear them. It sounded like a herd. But they seemed very far away. Not thinking much of this, the young man exited the house to escape. He stood staring at the stars when the sound of barking occurred again, but this time it was close. He sat in silence, listening to the dust and air swirl about him. The barking got closer and closer. Eventually, it became so close that he swore they were next to him. The young man stood and stared down the dark shore. Suddenly, out of, out of the corner of his eye, a dog-shaped creature emerged. It stood motionless, staring at the young man. It got closer, and the barking became louder, yet its mouth did not move. The creature moved silently, each step making no sound. The young man heard a noise behind him and looked away. Then turning back towards the dog creature, he realized that it had gotten closer. It seemed to inch towards him, yet was motionless. The barking continued, but seemed to be all around him. The creature inched closer and closer every time he looked away. The young man struggled to see, and he was confused but fixated on this creature. He searched into his pocket and pulled out his glasses to get a better look. He noticed that now it was easily ten feet away, staring at him. The dog creature now looked like a shadow of a dog and rested for a moment, then sat down and poised itself. It stood straight up on its hind legs and stretched towards the heavens. It was still as a shadow, but looked flat. The young man heard a voice in its head and asked him to follow him, to follow him into the desert where it lived. It offered him wishes and anything his heart desired. The young man knew this to be a lie. He closed his eyes and began to pray. When he opened his eyes, the unnatural dog creature was gone. The barking had faded, and all that remained was one footprint that sat in front of him. Done. Was it a dog footprint or a human footprint? Dog gin creeper. Creeper gin dog. Yeah. A dog that drinks gin creeper. <laughs> gin with a D. Yeah, the gin creeper. Um, so, interestingly enough, I learned a lot about the gins or gins. I'm going to say gin. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of the translations that I read, the D wasn't even present. Oh, okay. There is a ton of reference to this. Both to the Quran and to um, a lot of different cultures, I guess you could say. I'll start at the beginning and kind of just try to sum it up because there's a lot of depth here. So in translation, jinn can be interpreted as hidden from sight or hidden ones. And in Arabic, jinn defines a collective number, and it derives from the root J-N-N or G-N-N, which means hide or to be hidden. The idea is that jinn are not necessarily spirits, but that they are hidden in their status in time, space, and darkness. So like many things, they're either male or female. They can exist independently or attach themselves to inanimate objects, especially more antiquated objects such as a lamp or a jewel. For example, it was often believed that a djinn would become attached to a precious or semi-precious stone such as an opal. So in the Middle East, archaeologists found evidence from pre-Islamic eras that suggested that during particular times, there was no distinction between spirits or what they called angels. 
So they were looked at as one of the same. And in Northwest Arabia, archaeological evidence suggested that they had worshipped the jinn. Near Palmyra, evidence also suggested worship. And interestingly enough, the Quran rejects this practice, arguing that Allah is one of the uh, is the one to be revered and worshipped. I just found an excerpt from the Quran. I just found it to be really interesting that it specifically acknowledges it. And it says, but they have attributed to Allah partners, the jinn, while he has created them and have fabricated for his sons and daughters without knowledge. Exalted is he and high above what they describe. And that's from, I think, passage 6, 100. I'm not really sure how to read those. (laughs) Forgive me. But I found it to be really interesting that it existed in the Quran. It's really prevalent in Islamic tradition, and they're usually identified as supernatural. They reside between the void and world, like a parallel dimension. And they're often said to be from like smokeless flame and that they're good, evil, or neutral. So in the case of like the genie from Aladdin, he was good. But in the movie I was referencing, uh, Wishmaster, he was evil. Ultimately, they can be dangerous and hostile towards uh, humans. And effectively, any chance they get, they can twist the words and desires of humans against them. So they're kind of contrary to angels, but they're also similar to humans that they have free will. So no one really tells them what to do. They kind of just do whatever they want, and they live in a highly remote areas, such as um, like areas with clouds, trees, and mountains. They are said to live for a thousand years, or up to a thousand years. So there's really no ballpark estimate. I would like to say there are four types of jinn, and they are believed to exist in tribes and not types. And that's Sila, Ghul, Irfrit, and Marid. I'm only familiar with two of these, generally speaking, but ghoul comes from our term ghoul. Like ghost. G-H-O-U-L. Mm-hmm. And Irfrit is a flying horned creature from the Final Fantasy video games. Huh. So, much to your uh, previous legend about the woman that sat on the chest causing sleep paralysis, phenomena associated with the jinn are visions of dead people, shadow people, Sleep paralysis, fortune tellers, aliens, and abductions, and black magic. So while the story that I found was slightly based off of a real story um, that I found on the internet, there were a lot of similar scenarios where it was mostly the djinn trying to trick people into following them or coming with them. But there were obviously deviations of that where they were attached to a jewel or a lamp. I just didn't want to present it in that way because that's what you expect. Mm-hmm. Grant me some wishes, and I twist it, or I'm a genie. Like, I dream of genie, genie from Aladdin, rebel amp, they pop out. Right, and oddly enough, a, a genie is a gem. Yeah. And I didn't know they could be good or bad. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. How can you tell the difference? Could a bad one pretend to be good? So you think, oh, it's a good one, and then they kill you, or whatever they do? I mean, my understanding is that they have free will. Mm-hmm. So they act like humans do, right? I mean, if you compare human behavior... Uh, overlap your question with the way that humans are, I think you could answer that for yourself. Sure, they could be good, they could act good and be bad. They could be bad and act good. They have their own dominion over what they do. That's what makes them so tricky. So there were stories of positivity um, about that Mm -hmm. in terms of the djinn, and then there were stories of them effectively just being very evil. So they don't actually grant wishes. They can. 
They can. They can distort man's words, but I didn't find anything that specifically said that they granted wishes outside of the Americanized genie reference mm -hmm. and the Wishmaster movies, which were American movies, uh, horror movies. I like the idea that it's mentioned in the crayon because it's kind of like, you know, you see a lot of parallels in religions. Sure. It's kind of like false ideolatry kind of thing. Like yeah. It's the same idea. Yeah, very much so. I like how they differentiate between angels and jinn. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that it was mentioned a lot in the Quran. There were far more references than what I had just pulled. And it was spoke often about how um, those beliefs counteract the jinn, but the jinn existed in its own world. In between almost a heaven and hell type situation. Like a purgatory type being? Yeah. I mean, they were smokeless, but they had form, but they could take form, but yeah. they could lure you. So it seemed like they had almost an infinite power. Like spirits, but not angels. Yeah. Because they could attach themselves to a MacBook Pro, and they could also attach themselves to a fancy piece of jewelry. Or a piece of pizza. And maybe that explains why computers don't work all the time. It's the gin. It's the gin. So, next time I accidentally spill my gin all over my computer. It's the gin. It's the gin. <laughs> Literally, it's the gin. <laughs> it's the gin. Well, I like that very much. All right. Well, that's my story, and I hope you all like it. Well, I know I did. Good. All right. Are you ready for mine? Yeah. Speaking of butchering the Arabic language, I'm going to do the best <laughs> I can with the title of this. Everybody hold their breath. All right. Not too long. Because first, I need you to dim the lights. Cue the creepy music. And I present to you Abu Riel Mazuaka. One night, a young Egyptian boy was playing outside before dinner time. His mother called for him to come inside and eat, but he did not want to stop playing, so he ignored her. It took several times for his mother to call to him before he finally packed up and went inside. At dinner, the boy's mother asked if he had completed his homework. With quite a bit of attitude, he said he had not, and that in fact, he did not feel like doing it at all. The boy was scolded by his parents, but later that night, he had still not finished his homework. Throughout the night, the boy continued to act up, say rude things to his parents, and disobey their directions. Finally, it was time for bed, but the boy did not want to go to sleep. He whined and complained to his mother. After a long day of chores and a naughty son, the boy's mother warned him that if he did not behave, he would soon regret it. The little boy paid her no mind and continued to disobey his mother. She went off to bed, reminding her son to shape up or he would be sorry. The little boy waved off his mother and continued playing well into the night. Soon, the house was dark and quiet, as it had gotten quite late. The boy began to feel tired, so he climbed into bed. He heard a faint scratching noise coming from outside his window. He peeked over his blanket, but only saw a tree standing tall outside, and assumed a branch must have been the culprit. Several minutes later, the boy felt a cold breeze and looked up to see that his window was now open. He hid under his blankets, trying to avoid whatever had opened the window. After waiting a while without hearing any movement, the boy lifted his blanket just slightly to see if the coast was clear to run to his parents' room. To his horror, a man stood in front of him. The man was horrifyingly ugly and had horrible burns down one leg. He looked at the boy, smiled, and said, You should have listened to your mother. The little boy felt a hand wrap around his ankle, a hard yank, and before he knew it, he was being dragged out of his bedroom window, never to be seen again. Damn. Yoey! Snatched him up. Snatched mm -hmm. him, creeper. Yes. So, the Abu Rigel Mazuaka 
is basically the Egyptian boogeyman who scares children that misbehave. Most parents use him as a way to keep their kids in line. They either threaten to send their children to him or threaten that he will come and get them. It's literally translated as man with a burnt leg. And the idea is that he has burns because he was disobedient to his own parents. And he might take your leg because he's upset about what happened to his. Mm. So maybe it was that he disobeyed his parents and ended up getting hurt and burning his leg. I almost thought like maybe he was in a form of hell and he got burned in the fire and then climbed out to snatch you down there. Maybe. And leg Debo. Yeah. But the idea is that he was disobedient. Therefore, something happened to his leg. Gotcha. And also, this I thought was kind of fun. There's also a legend that he's friends with another Egyptian legend called El Gula, which kind of plays on your ghoul. They work together to find and torture bad kids. So El Gula is a creature with one red eye. He eats human flesh, but only if it's living flesh. Mm. It can take the shape of an animal or any other creature, or it can be invisible. And legend says if you strike him with a sword, he'll beg you to hit him again to end his suffering. However, if you stab him once, he dies. But if you stab him twice, he comes back to life and whoever hit him the first time with the sword. So those two guys work together. That sounds like a crappy job, the, the ghoul. The ghoul? Whatever his name was. The ghoul and Abu Rigel Mazluaka work together to find naughty children to just torture and eat them, apparently. I like that yeah. idea, though, because it seems to be cultural. Mm-hmm. The boogeyman. Oh, yeah. It exists everywhere. In every culture in some way. I mean, everybody has some version of the boogeyman. And, and it, obviously, it seems to, its purpose seems to be to keep kids in line. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like Krampus in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, Krampus is there to snatch up naughty kids. You get no presents. You put in a sack. Who knows what happens after that? You don't want to know. Elf on a shelf. Yeah. Terrifying. Sure. It's just going to stare at you. Bench on a you... bench, judging you. <laughs> but it's the whole idea that if you act up, then something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And every mom, apparently in every culture, has some kind of boogeyman she threatens her children with. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess what would be interesting to know is where this actually comes from. Like, why is the leg burnt? Or why does the boogeyman always you know, take someone underneath the bed. I mean, the mm-hmm. boogeyman in America, I don't even think that's a legend we've done, is the American boogeyman, like the classic so. sense of the boogeyman. Because there's so many different things, like a monster in your closet, under your bed, sure. that kind of stuff. But the whole idea is that if you're bad, bad things will happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I never found anything. It, it's, like I said, it's literally translated man with a burnt leg. So it doesn't say how he burned it, but everything I found pointed towards... He was bad, so either as a punishment from his abusive parents he might have gotten burned, or if he was told not to play around a fire and did and got burned, something like that. I guess I wonder if that has an association similar to how the man with the hook did. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of the man with the hook had a hook for a hand to suggest his like impotence or his inability to like be with a woman, so mm-hmm. he was not killing men with women or you know, getting their thing on in the woods. Mm-hmm. That was a suggested, and that was a suggested reasoning for the hook. Right. Um, so I wonder, like, what the burnt leg means. Is that just, you know, does it mean something more in that culture, perhaps, that we right. don't know? that's true. Or does it just set him apart as somebody scary? Right. You know, if you saw someone with massive burns like that, would that 
I mean, obviously, that had come into your window late at night. That would probably frighten you. Oh, yeah. But just somebody that's different or somebody that would be angry about their situation, so they're taking it out on other people. Yeah, you know, both these are really, really fascinating because one is a representation of an urban legend or a scare tactic that all parents use to get their kids to just, you know, chill the fuck out. Shape up, bitch. (laughs) Go to sleep, kid. (laughs) You got to put them in the line, and fear seems to be a common way that parents will do that. I think it's interesting that that's very much universal, even though the figure that inhabits it is always different. Mm-hmm. And with the gin, I feel that that's permeated American culture so much that I truthfully really had no idea that it existed um, like in a, a Quran sense, like right. that it went that far back that it was housed in. It's actually historical. In in historical yeah. religious concepts mm-hmm. that, you know, these things like angels are mentioned in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, devils. Yeah. But people forget that over time because of movies like Angels in the Outfield, <laughs> which I like. Excellent. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. But it's kind of funny, too, because you don't really think about it, but the genie in Aladdin, Aladdin is an Arabic story. Sure. So, duh, you know, maybe that's why they got that. You know, they could have picked any yeah. being that could offer wishes, but he's a genie. Duh. Jinn. Yeah. And in... At the end of Aladdin, when Jafar turns into a genie, he's a bad one. So they can be good or bad. Yeah, well, yeah. And Jafar was already bad, so I guess yeah. the idea being... He but turned... see, where Aladdin got it wrong is free will. Right, because he was trapped with his... Both of them. Shackles. With, yeah, the yeah. bangles or whatever. In the lamps. So they were kind yeah. of, in a way, like slaves to their masters to mm-hmm. grant the wish. Which is not the historical no. sense of the jinn. They're very much free... Free wheeling, free dealing, free falling, free falling types of gins and genies. Exactly. Well, those were fascinating. I like those. I like these different cultures because, you know, everyone's used to the typical, you know, girl needing to be saved that we've talked about. But, you know, these are completely new for me and I'm very excited about it. Well, if you live in any of these other cultures or from any other countries and you have urban legends that are around I don't know, that maybe replicate American urban legends. I'd be interested to see if there's an association between like the American babysitter in the upstairs and if that exists in Japan or Egypt or Taiwan in or some Vietnam. other form. Yeah. Sure. Like Absolutely. is there that idea through other cultures where, you know, women are incapable of protecting themselves, so more often than not there's some maniac male running around out there trying to murder people. And some good guy saving all the girls. Or anything, really. Just variations from different cultures of stories that we've told. I'd be interested to hear. Alas, I think we've come to an end. I concur. I think um, I'm going to hang it up, and then I'm going to go fill my face full of Thanksgiving foods. Mmm, gluttony. It's very charming. Thank you. If you have anything you'd like to send us, feel free to email us at urbancreepstories at gmail.com. And um, you can always take a picture of a $1,000 bill and write a story on it and mail it to us. Or just send us money. That's fine, too. Um, We don't have an address, but we believe that you could do it. Yeah. If If you you like us enough, you'll find a a way. I would like to thank you all for joining us on what we may refer to or never refer to as the Urban Creeps International Story. Corner. Corner. Hour. Yeah, time. Time frame timelines i don't know uh, a, <laughs> we'll a, work on a work it in progress. under it's construction working title <laughs> uh so yeah 
I would like to say you'll probably see me creeping down the street in my six foe. Oh, I like that. Thank you. And Sipping other- on gins and juice. <laughs> Sipping on gin and juice. Very nice. As always, we appreciate you joining us. And make sure that you keep on creeping on. Creeping on.